Welcome to the 6AM Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6AM Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6AMRun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. And welcome back to another episode of the 6AM Run Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Paisant. As always, great to have you as a part of the show. I think you're really going to enjoy the show we have for you today. But as always, the show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. Or if you follow me on Instagram, you can always just hit the link in my Instagram page, or if you follow me on my other podcasts, Relatively Normal, in all the show notes, there is a link there. So I have a very special person. Uh, Matt Odie was somebody I had interviewed and had a conversation with on my other podcast last season, uh, the Relatively Normal podcast. Very inspirational story. One of those stories that you know, you really need to pay attention and listen to because life just hits you right in the face sometimes. And Matt is a great person and he's taken his story and he wants to inspire others, not only to do better or be better, but just to live life to the fullest. So Matt, a pleasure to have you back on the show. How you been doing? And thank you. I can't believe it's been like a year since we've done you know done something together but uh so excited today so appreciate you having me back on and um you know just excited to see where this goes so yeah i know it's been a year and a lot has happened that year but before we get started you were a person that was physically fit you were you were taking care of yourself you were trying to do the right things and at 24 you got hit with a bombshell so just real quickly i know it's not a quick story but if you wouldn't mind just kind of walking our listeners through that part of your life and and how everything kind of unfolded. Yeah, absolutely. So you can backtrack a little bit before that. Um, I actually, I ran cross country. I was in track for um, pretty much my entire high school up to college as well. And then um, after college, I wouldn't even say after college, my sophomore year of college, um, my coach had me running around 90 miles a week. So I was like, okay, I'm exhausted here. I was kind of burnt out. Um, And so I transitioned more into lifting and, you know, really I wanted to kind of look a certain way and just feel a different way as well. So that's what got me more into uh, personal training and into the fitness kind of aspect of things. And throughout my young 20s, um, you know, lifting, still doing cardio, of course, you know, eating the right foods, everything was so, so important to me. And you know, at the age of 24, my life completely turned around. I was no joke, probably the healthiest version of myself too. Um, I was just, I felt like I was kind of clicking on all cylinders. And then all of a sudden, um, throughout the summer, I started to get these minor back pains. And you know, you're 24 years old, the last thing you're going to think about, of course, is not cancer. But like, you're, you're just like, 
I'll be fine. I'll work through this. And it got worse and it got worse. And one night um, I was over my now wife, but girlfriend's um, house at the time. And um, I ended up puking up blood. He rushed in the emergency room. They find out that I had lost two thirds of the blood circulating in my body. So throughout that whole week, my bowel movements and things like that too. But me being so stubborn, I mean, I was an extremely stubborn 24 year old. Um, I just wouldn't go get checked out. So puking up blood the one night was obviously, uh, I had no option. So I get there, found I had lost two thirds of the blood circulating in my body, which is equivalent to being shot with a gun. Um, immediately they gave me six bags of blood and they put me into a surgery that night to figure out what was causing the bleeding. And the next morning I wake up and my doctor's there and I'm thinking I'm ready to go home. And all of a sudden I just see this like blank stare in his eye. And he walks over to me, he sits down, he grabs my hand and he goes, Matt, we found an 11 centimeter tumor in your small intestine. We know it is cancer. We just don't know what type yet. And we have to rush you from our local hospital right now to the main campus of the Cleveland Clinic. So I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And the clinic is, you know, one of the top hospitals in the country. So I was very lucky to have that on my doorstep. But um, after many tests, um, once I got there, they found out that I had what's called stage three C testicular cancer, which is basically stage four. They just don't count that as stage four in the testicular realm for some reason. So immediately I was put on five rounds of chemotherapy, um, very intense chemo that lasted about three months. And right when I finished that, I, you know, um, you know, I lose my hair, I'm, I'm losing my weight, very fatigued, all everything. I'm like, okay, the hard part's over. What's next? But actually, unfortunately, that was one of the easier parts of my journey. I ended up having to have a 12 hour surgery to remove my, my tumor, to remove the rest of the cancer in my body. And what had happened was my body went into what's called compartment syndrome. Basically my body started to shut down. I ended up having kidney and liver failure. I fell into a two-week non-induced coma. I ended up being in the ICU for over 40 days. I was in the clinic for over 53 days. I dropped down from this healthy 185-pound personal trainer to 110 pounds in a matter of eight months with five surgeries. The last surgery they did on me was an open wound surgery. So what they ended up doing was they had to cut my entire stomach open and leave a football-sized mesh over my stomach because there was just so many complications going on in there. And we can dive deeper in anything you want to talk about. But um, basically, I had to relearn to walk, relearn to live my entire life all over again in just a matter of eight months. And I had to go from having, you know, mental health issues such as looking in the mirror, you know, eight months ago, I was this healthy guy. Now I'm the shell of a version of myself to barely being able to even, you know, get up and walk to having to work through, you know, so many emotions that have gone through my life. And, you know, I really attest this to three massive things. And number one is my faith, which I don't push anybody, but it is a massive part of my journey. Number two is my support system from my incredible wife now, Lauren, which she was humongous part of that journey. We were only dating two months um, before I was diagnosed with cancer and she stuck every single day with me, my incredible parents. And then number three is absolutely the knowledge that I gained through my health, my nutrition, taking care of myself. And I think that's something that's really important we can dive into today is the importance of taking care of your body and taking care of your mental health so that if something, I'm not saying anybody's going to get cancer, but if something, which something will pop up in our lives happens, we have the knowledge and we have the strength to fight whatever we're going through. And for me, um, it took me two years to truly rebuild myself mentally, emotionally, and physically. And when I finally was able to do so, 
I realized that, and a lot of people maybe can attach when you go through something challenging in your life, you feel like you've been given a second chance. You feel like there's a, d- a deeper purpose in your life. And for me, I didn't know where to go. I didn't have that clarity, but I knew that there was something bigger for me. And I started surrounding myself with the right people. I started having the courage to share my story. And next thing you knew, I was speaking on stages. I was able to coach other cancer survivors and individuals who've gone through challenging moments and help them rebuild their life after whatever challenging um, experiences they've gone through. And hopping on podcasts such as you know yourself and I, and just being able to help and impact others. And I want to let people know that your challenging moments isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes that is what allows you to have the meaning and to have the purpose in life. So that's just a quick version of my journey. And um, you know, I'm just grateful to be here every day and to give back and help others. And even hearing it for like the third or fourth time, because you and I have talked a bunch of times, it just it still like gives me chills. It's still like it hits me hard to 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 hear you talk about it. And you know, if, if people want to get a, a longer version, you can go listen to the the other show we did. But the thing I wanted to ask you is is before this all happened to you, like, did you ever like what was did you ever have a thought that you would be a speaker? Like, did you have that? I, I know you had training in your, but did you ever want to get in front of people and actually speak out loud and be a public speaker? I love that question. I was the total opposite. I was that kid in high school when they said, "Okay, guys, you have a speech coming up." For two weeks, it was like literally like every day I'd wake up and be like, how am I going to get in front of this is 15, 20 kids in my class? How am I going to get up there and give a five minute speech? So absolutely not. I was actually definitely afraid of any type of speaking, anything related to, you know, putting myself out there. And I will say this, too. I think in, when we're in school, um, the reason that a, a decent amount of the reason I wasn't um, or I would be anxious about it, too, is a lot of the times the topics had nothing to do that I really cared about or that I would really had any passion towards. So I tell people when you have passion towards something or when it's something that you've gone through that's meaningful to you, it's going to be a totally different direction than when it says, oh, read this book and then give me a five minute summary on this and, and share it to the class, you know? So that could have been part of it, but I'll tell you right now, I had a lot of fear going into it. And, um, you know, I think that the reason now that I'm so passionate about helping others, it's kind of like, it, I'm not focused on myself anymore. I'm focused on serving others. So when I'm focused on serving others, then I can be in full service and not be so worried about, oh, what if I screw up a little bit? No one's going to really know if I screw up a little bit. All I'm doing here is trying to give back and help others. Yeah, I think I think you bring up a great point because I, I think it says a lot about you know what this disease, what the surgeries, what the rehab, what all this did to you because you know it it's obvious it changed your perspective on life. That's obvious. You can get that from talking thirty seconds within talking with you, like you know that. But the kind of the the paradigm shift in you where you you suddenly had this affinity to say, I've been through this and I don't want to keep this to myself because there's thousands, millions, so many people who not only go through this, but we all know someone who has cancer. My mother, she died of cancer and it was tough for my family. We all know someone who has cancer or we may be one that has it in the future. And you said to yourself, I'm going to take this pain. I'm going to take all this heartache. I'm going to take 
everything I've learned from this and make sure I don't keep this in. And I want other people to be able to, to look at me and gain inspiration from that. Yeah. So how I look at it is, like you said, I'm sorry, you know, to hear about your mother and, and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it is cancer doesn't discriminate. That's the one yeah. thing I've learned about cancer is you can be, you know, super young. You could be my age, which honestly, I, I don't think young adults are potentially talked about enough because we mm-hmm. aren't expected to be in these situations. You know, anybody in their twenties going through cancer, you don't see that very often. You don't think that it's very often, but it's more prevalent than you you'd imagine in, in a lot of different types of cancers. And then, you know, so I think that it's, it's super important to bring awareness and it's very important, you know, to let people know too, that I had very dark moments in my life as well. I was not just as happy, the lucky person that, Oh, you know, I have cancer. I'm I have this warrior hat on and no matter what happens, I'm going to get through this. You no, know, I had a lot of moments where, I was ready to give up. And when I told you my three things that helped me through this was my faith and my support was the first two things I said was I can never fight these battles alone. You know, the, the toughest battles are sometimes the loneliest because we feel like we are alone. Even if we have support along the way, sometimes if they haven't exactly gone through what we've gone through. So like I had my incredible parents and Lauren and all that, but they didn't go through cancer. So they couldn't say, oh, Matt, I know how you're feeling today because they weren't going through chemotherapy. They weren't you know, in the, you know, they weren't laying in my hospital bed trying to get up. But on the other spectrum, I didn't know the mental aspect they were going through either. So I just want to say to, it's important to bring awareness. It's important to share that not every day's, um, you know, a perfect day, but I do have a little saying that everything in life happens for you, not to you. And what I mean by that is we all have challenging experiences in our lives, but it's not about the, the setback or the adversity. It's about how we handle it mentally. We can either let it define us and become the victim of our situations, allowing it to us to make excuses, blame other people, blame God, whatever you have faith-wise, or we can say, how is this happening for me? And say, okay, I understand this is completely unfair, but is there a lesson attached behind this that maybe down the road can help me become a better version of myself? And even more importantly, help other people as well. And I understand that there's a grieving period and I understand that we have to go through that process. But if you can just try to find the lesson involved in it, it will shift you into a better version in a more positive direction. Uh, uh, Amen to that. I I definitely agree with that. So uh, let's pivot really quick into the nutrition part because you had mentioned that. You had mentioned how important it is you know, you mentioned mental health and, and how you kind of uh, learned more about that, but then the physical health aspect of it and kind of talk about, you know, getting kind of talk about first, you know, pre the whole diagnosis and pre everything going on. What, you know, what kind of meal were you that were you that young 20s kid who went to the gym all the time but could eat anything? And then did you transition to a healthier diet? Kind of talk about your nutrition, how it's kind of changed throughout the years. Yeah, so leading up to cancer, um, when I say I was a healthy version of myself, I was that kid who, first of all, would go out till two th- to three in the morning, mm-hmm. wouldn't drink for like five straight months. I didn't drink because I had this, I was going to Miami with my friends and it was January. And I said, I am going on like a massive cut. Like I, like I was, I was like close to 200 pounds and I'm like, I'm dropping to 165, but I'm going to have like six to 7% body fat. I'm doing it. I don't care what it takes. 
no joke, for like four to five months against all my friends. I would that I would go out with me. I would go out. I would DD them. We would stay up till two thirty in the morning, and we dance to have all this whatever. And um, and I would just drink water. And and then on top of that, I was counting my macronutrients. So your macronutrients is your proteins, your fats, and your carbs. I was counting those on top of my calories, um, making sure I was like doing everything proper. And I got to that weight, man. I got to one sixty five right when I wanted to. I was about. I think I ended up being seven and a half percent body fat. And I have pictures to prove it too. And I was the healthiest version of myself. And then no joke, I'm not even kidding you. The day after I got back from Miami, I started to get some minor back pains. And then I kind of got off track um, with my nutrition a little bit because I wasn't able to go. I mean, I was working out. I was hitting the gym six days a week. And on top of that, I was doing cardio for probably four or five days with mostly either a hit workout or like incline walk. And, um, or I do hill sprints at the time too, those which is incredible for for burning fat. But um, so for, on top of all that, I started to kind of dwindle a little bit because I had that back pain, and, and I didn't get diagnosed until August. So from about June until August, I kind of let myself go with the nutrition. I was still eating relatively healthy, but I wasn't like counting the macronutrients, counting calories anymore. So I kind of was like gaining a little bit by the time i was diagnosed i was about 180 to 185 pounds because i mean when you're that lean it doesn't take much to gain that weight back um you know when you when you cut i always tell people when you see these guys on these fitness magazines and and all these other things trust me 99 percent of them do not look like that in real life ever mm-hmm. um you know you might have that one or two percent who's on a lot of different um you know juices and stuff like that that can help <laughs> them with that but the other 99 percent of those people they did that just for that shoot. And then when you see them, they don't look too much different than us. Yeah, you'll see, you'll notice they're built and they look good, but they don't look like six and a half percent body fat. You bring up a great point because that that is something people need to understand when they when they look at social media and look at these magazine covers and guys are just chiseled and women have the perfect body. It's like that's that day. Like that is that day. And they've cut, they've literally for months they've they've uh, you know, been in that calorie deficit, juice cleanse, all that stuff may have done intermittent fasting, everything to get to that moment. And then, you know, w- once that cut is done, like they're back to looking like it, the, 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 the sculpted six pack abs, like that's, you know, how incredibly hard that is to keep for an extended period of time. Dedication. Dedicate. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So now that you know you're in your 30s now, young 30, uh, early 30s. Like, what is your nutrition like now? What's your workout regimen? How do you stay fit? Yeah, I'm definitely a little more lenient. Um, you know, maybe one day I'll try to do it again. But like, you know, I I have a massive, massive scars. This is one thing that took me a while to get over. So uh, when I was done with cancer, I told you I had five surgeries on my stomach. That last stomach with the open wound, what they ended up doing was they had to take out all of my abdominals. So they literally, I don't have any abdominals. I have a massive match that, don't ask how it works because I have no idea, but it's holding everything together in there. And um, if you ever see a picture of me now, you know, there's a big lump and it's a big, huge scar on my stomach. And um, so, you know, I don't really have like, oh, I need to get this six pack abs or anything like that because I can't. So for me, it's just, I eat healthy um, I have an 80-20 rule. You know, everyone's probably heard of it. You, know, you have an 80-20 rule. I really am pretty conscious about that 80-20 rule. I try to get protein in all of my meals, um, you know, but I don't count my calories anymore. I don't count my macros or anything like that. Um, I try to get 
like, you know, the basics. Um, how I best can explain it. I just had um, some whole wheat pasta with some lean ground beef and some peppers. Um, that was my meal tonight. You know, that's a healthy meal to me. Uh, I try to get lean with a lot of my meat um, or a lot of, you know, things I eat. I like fish too. Um, I like tuna, I like salmon, things like that. Um, so it just depends, you know, I, it really depends on my day. But then on the weekends, um, I'm not afraid to, to have a pizza or to have a couple of drinks, you know, here or there. I, I think that you need to live your life and not let it completely control you unless you have like a show or unless this is like, unless this is like your job where like you, Hey, this is what I need to do. I get it totally. But if you're like sacrificing so much that, you know, your wife is getting pissed at you or, you know, you can't even spend quality time with your kids because you have to have that meal in throughout your day. I think you start to need to reevaluate some things unless it's like your actual, you know, career. And and you bring up a great point. And and there's that, there's that balance. There's that balance yeah. that you have to have, especially if you want to, we all, well, I, I believe a lot of us want to stay fit. And a lot of the people listening to this show are, are people that are either on their fitness journey or trying to start their fitness journey. So, you know, for, for a person who, you know, you know, tries to stay fit was personal trainer, speaks to people like, what are just some little things that, I mean, you already mentioned that the healthy meal that you had tonight and, and I'll be honest with you, I had lean turkey, white rice, and, and vegetables. So I'm <laughs> I'm there with you while my family is, my kids are over there eating McDonald's right now. So I, <laughs> I, had, I had to smell it in the car, but I'm like, nope, nope, I'm not doing it. No, um, fries can get you if they're hot and warm. I know it. I know. Oh my goodness. Oh. But, um, but like for someone that just wants to start this journey, and I think, I think it's very important for us to say this out loud because the first part of your journey, I, I understand people want to get pound the pavement or they want to get a gym membership, but something people really need to focus on is that nutrition part. That is a bit, that's a big part of it because you can run all the miles you want to, but if you come home and you have a, a Snickers bar and th- then you have some gummy bears and then you have, you know, a big bowl of pasta and then you have, you know, you're basically throwing away all your gains. So on the nutrition end of it, what are just some little things people can start with? to help them begin their journey. Yeah. Here's what I always look at. So, you know, when I tell my clients to say, you know, you're never going to be able to cold turkey everything. It's just not going to happen. But what I say is instead of trying to add a bunch of things, how about we today just start eliminating something instead? How about we eliminate some sugar that you've been having? Have you been having six cans of pop? Let's eliminate one or two of those today. Let's see how you feel tomorrow. You might feel a little worse, actually, because your body's trying to get used to it. But I promise you, this is what I tell people. You can go six weeks while just constantly subtracting something from your life or adding a positive thing. Next thing you know, the things you're going to start craving are actually the fruits, are actually the lean proteins, are actually the, you know, of course, you may want a burger here and there, but it's not going to be anything like you needing to go to McDonald's. You know, that first week will be tough. I will tell you right now, the first two weeks is like a detox when if you've just been completely eating unhealthy, but you can just stick to it and just start eliminating one or two things at a time. I promise you in four or five or six weeks, you're going to be like, whoa, I'm not breathing heavy walking up the stairs anymore. I've lost 10 or 15 pounds if I'm you know, on this massive weight loss journey, or I've even lost a couple of pounds and I feel really good about myself. Um, and I, like I told you before, I'm craving the right foods now. 
So it's small incremental steps. You know, um, what I've learned is called winning the day. And a guy named Andy Fraselli is an entrepreneur. Um, he has this concept just called winning the day. And what that means is it's just one or two critical tasks that are going to help you compound daily to become weekly wins, to eventually become monthly wins. And then by a year from now, you will look back and be like, what just happened? I'm a totally different version of myself because I kept the promises I made to myself. Meaning when you say I'm going to eliminate two cans of pop, you actually do it throughout the day. Or I'm going to eliminate that that half a bag of chips that I eat at night. Or then eventually you say, okay, now what can I start as substituting in for it? So a lot of times what I help my clients with is say, okay, so you want to eliminate those bags of chips. Let's find something that's healthy like hummus and some vegetables that'll give you a little bit more of a salty craving still, but it's way healthier, less calories, a lot more micronutrients too. I don't think people talk about micronutrients enough too, your minerals, your vitamins, which is so important. So that's why it's so important when people say, oh, 2000 calories, is 2000 calories. I disagree. 2000 calories of healthy lean proteins, fruits and vegetables with the micronutrients you're getting compared to 2000 calories of pizza, pop and, you know, candy, you're getting absolutely no nutritional value from that. So that is the underlying health problems that you'll have on top of all that. So I'm not trying to get overcomplicated here. All I'm trying to say is eliminate one or two things and maybe just substitute with something healthy. So salty is like hummus or some nuts or things like that. When it comes to sugary stuff, I like adding different berries or fruits. I'll do a smoothie at night, like a, a fruit smoothie, something like that. So that's kind of my best advice to anybody who's studying that. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think what you just talked about, and I think what people need to understand is what you're talking more than you know, the food you, you do or you don't eat is that behavior that you're starting and that, that discipline that you're starting. And, and, you know, for people who are, let's be honest, like sugar, the addiction to sugar is, is crazy. It's, it's one of the worst addictions, if not the worst. Um, I don't want to come on here and tell you, you know, an illegal substance is not as bad as sugar, but what it does to the brain and how the brain craves it is similar to cocaine. And, I think people need to understand, not only understand what sugar does to your body, because from a person who loves sugar, loves, loves, loves <laughs> sugar. Like, <laughs> I mean, I go on detoxes. I go on 30-day detoxes yeah. from everything. But to understand, like, how many things actually have added sugar and artificial sugars in it? Like, we want to go to a store and say, oh, this juice is, is, is good for me. And you look at it and it has two days worth of sugar in it. And it's all added. It's not natural. And I think doing that thing where you eliminate one thing and just stay on it. And I'll tell you right now, for me, and I want people to know this about me, for me, the first thing I did was I eliminated eating late at night. And I'm going to tell you right now, that first week was terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. I, <laughs> my body was like, wait a second, it's 10 p.m., we're hungry. Like, why aren't you eating? But then within a week, my body started adjusting and I ended up going to sleep earlier. And I was like, oh, okay, what should I do now? And then I started substituting some of the, the things you were talking about. And at lunch, I substituted white bread for whole wheat and carrot sticks. And so I'm telling you this not to you know, tell you anything about me, but I'm saying it because it works. Like what Matt is telling us works. So 
now, you know, and, and for anybody wanting to know more about Matt, I'll, I'll show you his, his links and all that stuff. But there's a great photo of him on, on Instagram and, and people will be like, why are you saying this is a great photo? That just shows the scar on his stomach. That just shows this huge scar on his stomach. And I want to ask you specifically about that because you have a shirtless photo and you're taking the photo and you're showing the world your scar. How long did it take you to get comfortable to take that photo and show everyone what you had gone through? Yeah, um, it took me over two years for sure uh, for me to feel comfortable. And the only reason I, I share it now is because I want to let other people know who have their own scars in life or have their own body image issues that they feel like they're going through. Not to feel like they need to share it, but to feel like they're not alone. To feel like, you know, um, it's okay. Like, even though I take care of myself religiously, you know, I really do. um, I still have my own scar. I still have my own faults. And I think opening up and being vulnerable is never a weakness. It's one of our greatest strengths because that is how people can truly be inspired and be impacted by your message or by whatever um, you know lesson that you're trying to help them through. So for me, my scar is more of a message and more of a symbol to help people um, through whatever scars they have in their life, whether it's mentally or physically. Obviously. You're you're absolutely right about that, and and. I just I want to come on here and just commend you for for that photo because I I see it and I see so much strength in that photo I see so much inspiration in that photo and I think I want to thank you for posting that I know it, it probably wasn't easy and you said it took two years but within this time frame everything going on you talk a lot about your support system and I want to talk a little bit about Lauren I don't want to put you on the spot and and I hope she's I, I hope she's listening right now because I want you to explain what Lauren means to you and, and, and basically what her support has done for you over the past few years. Yeah. Uh, basically everything. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't be able to get through cancer without her, but what I am saying is the journey would have been so much more challenging. Um, anytime I needed somebody and my parents too, between her my mom and my dad, absolutely incredible, but we'll just talk about her. She, you know, I was really nervous. So we actually, and this will be, this will tie back around, but we met on St. Patrick's Day of 2016. And um, I was diagnosed in August of 2016. And we only started dating in June. And, um, you know, so we were only dating for two months at that time. And to put that burden on her was just like, I understood if she didn't want to keep continuing with our relationship. But she was like, absolutely not. I'm going to be here every day. She would come to my chemo session. She would stay, she would stay over um, my parents' house at night to, to take care of me if I needed it or just sleep with me because it really did help me feel like, um, you know, ease and comfort at that moment. Uh, when I was in the ICU, she stayed at the hospital, um, at the hospital's uh, hotel all 53 days, every single day. And she would wake up at, I think it would be like five in the morning. You're not even technically allowed to be in the ICU room. For some reason, there's this weird rule until like 8 a.m. I don't know how she did it. She would somehow come into the room every day at like 6.30 a.m. She'd like sneak in. She knew one of the nurses and would help her get in. She'd come and see me. She'd sit there. A lot of times, I wasn't even awake or I wouldn't be able to talk. She um, would just sit there. It would give me this sense of ease. And then she would go to work and then she would do the exact same thing at night. And I'm telling you, I had this wall. So I remember when I woke up from my coma, I had this wall of just 
paintings, like not paintings, but like um, colorings, like basically just like a coloring notebook. And each one was like printed onto the window. And I remember when I finally got out of the hospital and stuff like that, I remember asking Lauren, I'm like, who did all those? And she's like, it was me. And I'm like, you did all of those. There had to have been the whole, like one side of the window, there had to have been 50 to 60 of them. And she would just, she would just sit there in my presence and just color. And it was just like this, like sense of peace. It was almost like an angel sent down to me. And after 53 days in that hospital, after me going through chemotherapy, I was released on March 17th of 2017. So exactly one year from when we met was never, never knew when I was going to get released. Never knew any of that. So St. Patrick's Day for us, we're both Irish too. Like it's a big, it's meaningful for sure. Um, But she was like that one person that gave me strength when I never knew I had. And Mm -hmm. um, she won't ever say that. And of course, like if she was listening, um, you know, She'd be like, no, he had so much strength, blah, 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 this. But no, I'm telling you, um, as a caregiver, uh, she was absolutely amazing. And I think for any of us going through challenging moments in life, uh, we can't fight these battles alone. And to have, hopefully you have one person, at least in your life, that will help you through the most challenging times. And she was one of those people. So that was uh, the impact that we you know, had together. And, and also when I was recovering real quick, too, um, when I was learning to walk again, she would push me way past my boundaries. There'd be days where I'm like, Lauren, I can't do this. She said, no, Matt, you're going to take two, three, four, five more steps. I remember we were at the Metro Park one time, and I was like barely able to go 100 meters. And she's like, no, we're going 200 meters today. I don't care what you say. I'll have to drag your ass if we have to do this. And she would push me so much, not to the point where she knew I might get hurt or anything. No, she knew what I was capable of. And I'm telling you, like, it was incredible, man. Like I look back at these moments and they were just like so, so powerful and um, I can't thank her enough. And, you know, to be able to um, now have her as my wife, we just got married uh, this past September. Um, it was, I'll tell you, we call it a celebration of life more than just getting married because we had 300 of our closest friends and family and it was one of the most emotional days, but also one of the most powerful and gratifying days of our lives as well. So yeah that's, that's, that's that's great what what by the way what's your and what's, what's your wedding what's your anniversary date uh, september 24th uh it's close to mine close to mine we're we're, we're the we're the 19th so um okay. yeah so so we'll we'll have to i have to we'll have to remind each other and to see i know what you were doing so you don't forget i don't forget we can <laughs> we can let each other know. it's easy, it's easy. <laughs> so um but i and i I've never met Lauren, but I like her even more. The fact that she pushed you the way she did, and I'm glad she did that. But I, I do want to ask you, after all you went through in your life, were you still nervous to pop the question? Oh, God, yeah. Um, I, if you're not nervous, I'm going to tell you right now, you might want to rethink everything. I don't care. We went through everything possible together. It, you know, we, it's like we started a whole, I almost felt like after cancer, we like have already been in a 10-year marriage together because we went through so much. And uh, we'd already lived together for three years before I got married, not before cancer, of course, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, man, I was, I, it was kind of a bore. Like, you know, um, best thing I could tell somebody, though, is I, uh, you have the money, I hired a photographer, and uh, we didn't have to do engagement photos anymore because that was like uh, able to be our engagement photos. He got incredible photos mm-hmm. for us, things like that. But I was so nervous that day. I kind of blacked out. I don't even think I said anything really. She's like, I don't remember what you said. I said, I don't either. So. Yeah. I think that means it was a good day. I think that means there were everybody was so blinded by love. I think that was a good day. Yeah. And, and the part was her family was there and my family was there. We were actually I was pretending to celebrate my mom's birthday. So really cool story is 
we got engaged on my parents' anniversary slash my mom's birthday, and we got married on her parents' anniversary. And it had, I'm telling you, it was not planned like that. Like, it just kind of happened that way. And uh, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, Lauren, if you're listening, uh, you're an amazing human being. Thank you for staying with this dude and pushing him. We appreciate that. Um, and And I wish you guys so many years of bliss in your your marriage journey so let's kind of uh transition over to and i love i love this i I love (laughs) i love this title was it mustaches for matt is that what it is or or yes mustaches for matt so talk about this you've started this talk about this for everyone to go and and take a look at it and and what is mustaches for matt yeah so mustaches for matt uh Okay, so it all started when I was going through chemotherapy. Two weeks in, I lose my beautiful red hair. So, you know, as you see, I kind of have like a strawberry blonde red hair. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much completely bald up here. But I keep this like, I already have kind of a dirty mustache, but it's really bad. Like I was like, this is all I got left. And I'm keeping it for as long as I can. And of course, my friends, they ain't making fun of me because they know they're like, man, this kid, this is all he's got left on him. So... The cool story was all my guy friends and dads were like, screw it. We're growing mustaches for the whole entire rest of your chemo as well. So all the dads, all my like close friends, uh, the guy friends did that. And when we finished chemotherapy, my dad said, you know what we're going to do? I just want to celebrate that you finished chemotherapy. So um, most cities do this um, on Thanksgiving. So I, I finished right around Thanksgiving. And most cities do what's called like a turkey talk. You get thousands and thousands of people to do a five or a 10k run so what we ended up doing was my dad said let's just get a group of people together we're going to buy a bunch of t-shirts um we're going to call the event mustaches for map and it's just a celebration of you finishing chemotherapy we thought maybe 30 40 50 people maybe 100 at most like 100 people would show up to this event and it was like seven in the morning and you know it was snowing because i'm in cleveland and um we ended up having over 400 people show up that morning and we gave them all t-shirts. I even have a picture. I can send it to you um, of the whole group. And man, was it powerful. Um, I gave a little speech. My dad gave a speech and um, I just remember looking around and just seeing, wow, like I don't even know half these people and they're all praying for me. They're all there for me. And I want to let somebody else know this could be a good lesson that you may feel like you're alone, but I promise you, um, you know, there are people out there that that, that are in there for you, that want to help you, that want to see you get healed and, and success, you know, and have success in your life. So what I would say is, you know, if you if you need that help, don't be afraid to ask for it because there's so many people out there that want to care for you, that want to love you. And, and, and I'm one of those people. If you are struggling, I'm always here. And that's why, we, you know, me and Mark do these, these podcasts together to help somebody who's going through something challenging. And, and to me, that was that moment where I was like, you know, it, it is beautiful to see how many people were there for me. And the cool part was a year later, we did it again. Had another incredible turnout. Close to 400 people again showed up same day. We did it again. Another incredible turnout. So then I said, you know what? What is something I can do instead of having this on Thanksgiving and just like, you know, okay, it's not about me anymore. Remember, it's not about me. I want to give back to others. So last year, because of COVID and everything, you know, it was impossible to do races. I actually was going to do it starting 2020, but 
ended up doing it in 2022, I said, I'm going to host my own race, my own mustaches from that race. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of the proceeds and I'm going to donate it to um, a, a close foundation that I've been closely working with. And for me at the time, it was Testicular Cancer Foundation. They had they even had me come out um, before all this to come out to Vegas, speak in front of hundred, you know, other survivors and caregivers, things like that. I was like, wow, what better organization can give back to them? And, you know, last year we did a race. We had close to, I think, um, four or 500 people run this race. Um, and it was in April, actually, which the cool part is testicular cancer awareness month is April. So I did it in April. We ended up raising over $7,000 and to just give back to them was just like mind blowing. It was so powerful. This was our first time ever doing it. And um, man, that's how Mustaches for Matt came to play. Um, and it's just like now I want to use it as a tool of helping others, giving back. And maybe one day I'll start Mustaches for Matt as a nonprofit organization. I don't know. I know mm-hmm. how challenging and how much work it can take. But either way, that's the whole story of mustaches from Matt. Um, and it just all came to be from a simple mustache that I had that, um, you know, my friends recognized and we turned into something really positive. That, that is an awesome story. Um, I, I really want people to go and check this out because even if you're not in the area and there's a race to be run, you know, you can do it virtually. Once the races are, you can always register. You can always donate. You don't have to be there. So, and you heard all the proceeds go to a great foundation. And that is, that is the, the, the true spirit of, you know, not only, you know, paying it back, but paying it forward and, and using your story of, of what was such a terrible thing happening to you to to be able to raise money and have I mean that I can't even imagine the look on your face when you thought this was family and friends and then and then four hundred people show up and I mean that's all kudos to you kudos to your family your 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 friends that's awesome um, everybody go check it out and and if they want to check this out or or, or or learn anything more about you, Matt, how do they find you online? What are your socials? 100%. And real quick, this is actually a picture from three years ago. Um, you can't really see it too well, but I'll try to move my mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. like from three years ago. This was me and Lauren finishing our mustaches for Matt Race. And then oh, nice. Okay. You can kind of see uh, just a group of people. This was uh, three years ago. We all had purple shirts. They're all mustaches. So every year we do different mm-hmm. colors and... Um, yeah, it was really cool. So now, um, if somebody if somebody can't grow a mustache, can they still participate in this yeah, race? Yeah, of course. <laughs> the cool part: we actually gave the girls um, fake mustaches, so they all had fake oh, nice. mustaches to wear, and it was so cool. It was like, and, and for me, man, as you could tell, I cannot grow a mustache. Literally, it is so bad. This could be like, I could let this go for two weeks, man, and this is me. Like, you have a beautiful beard and everything. I'm <laughs> jealous, man. I really am. So, um, oh, God. Yeah. So, anybody who does it. Yeah. This year, we are taking a little break on it. Um, and next year, I'm going to come back even stronger. I just have so many things going on in my life right now that um, it's a lot of work to host a race. You know, if anyone's ever hosted a race watching this, you know the effort it takes. Even if you have a whole team behind you, which I do. Um, it's just a lot. So like, I'm taking a little break this year and next year we're going to come back even stronger. I have some incredible um, you know, other organizations I want to help and impact. But um, yeah, man. So where else you can find me, the best place would be my website, which is mattodespeaks.com. So mattodespeaks.com. It has all my social media handles on there. And on top of that, um, I have uh, two different Facebook groups. So 
really cool story just to finish off too is um, a year and a half ago, I built a Facebook group because I wanted to just give back to the cancer community. It's all about cancer patients, survivors, and caregivers. Anybody who's been impacted in any way um, through cancer, and you don't have to be the one going through, you could have been a family member or a loved one who's been impacted by it, started this group. It, I, I once again, definitely afraid to start this group. It took me four months to even have the courage to do it. We now have over 6,000 members in the group. It's an absolutely incredible family filled with love, filled with support, and just for one another who's been going through this journey. So um, once again, if you're looking to do that, just go on to my Facebook group, friend request me and send me a direct message. I'll be happy to get you into the group. And I also have um, a Survivor HQ group, which is um, all tailored towards health and fitness um, related to help people who've gone through challenging moments in their life to transform their life through proper nutrition, working through limiting beliefs, and um, getting their body active and that is awesome. Everybody go check it out. We'll have a link to Matt and everything that he does and the show notes. Matt, always a pleasure. Um, hopefully one of these years I can make it up there to, to go on one of these these runs with you. I would love to be a part of it. If not, I'll definitely do the virtual one. Um, and if you're ever in in Atlanta for July 4th, you know, we have the largest 10K in the world in the Peachtree Ooh. Road Race. So if you're looking to really get lost and set no PRs because everyone is in front of you. Never, my cross country days are over, my guy. So no PRs for me anymore. Oh, I had to. I learned that the hard way. The first time I ran the Peace Tree, I'm like, oh, there's 65,000 people here. Cool. Um, I'm not setting any PRs on this no. one. Um, uh, so, but Matt, always a pleasure, man. You, you're doing great. I, I appreciate you. Um, we'll definitely have to do this again sometime to, to get some updates on the race, but you take care of yourself and keep, keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6AM Run Podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AM Run to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.